Well, as you've already heard a couple of times, good morning and happy new year. I don't know how big of a deal New Year's is for you. Some people really get into this time of year, and it's a time to resolve to do things better or maybe give something up. Uh, for other people, it's just another day on the calendar, and bah humbug to that. <laughs> but either way, whichever camp you're in, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to worship together, and uh, it's good to see every one of your faces here as we sing and hear from the Word of God together. If you've been around Grace Bible Church, at least for a year, you know that when the calendar turns, I like to take a week or two and preach on spiritual disciplines. Uh, These are the things that God gives to us for our good and for our growth, things like scripture reading, scripture memory, fellowship, giving, worship, all those kinds of things. And no matter where you are in the pursuit of your relationship with God, these are things that ought to be present in the life of every Christian. And so as the calendar turns, and as many of us are making some kind of resolution, some kind of goal, I want to encourage you to pursue faithfulness in the area of spiritual disciplines. Now when we use discipline in the word here, it's not as in consequence, like you messed up and you're going to get disciplined, so kids, relax. When I call all of the church to discipline, you're not in trouble. (laughs) But this is, we want regularity, right? When we say we should be disciplined in these things, what we mean is that they ought to not be occasional, random acts that we do as Christians, but they ought to be regular, maybe scheduled, maybe not, depends on your personality, intentional acts. And so as a church, my desire and the desire of the elders is that we be grounded in the word of God and we let that information, that teaching that we get from the Bible influence and shape the way that we live together. To that end, there are out on the welcome table some Bible reading plans that I would encourage you to choose one to be regular in your interaction with the Word of God in the coming year. There's, I don't know, four or five or something. Allie printed them out for us. And there's more on our website. If you don't find one you like there, there's a link on the site. You can find some kind of plan that will help you be regular. There's five-day-a-week plans, there's through the New Testament in a year, there's longer, there's shorter, there's all over the place. So get in the Word. The Word of God is our authority, it's our life, it is a joy to have this book, and we really want to encourage you, whatever that means for you, be in the Word, be regular in the Word. We're going to talk about that as we get into our text today. The title of the message today is Strengthened and Established. And we're going to look at 1 Peter 5. You can turn there here. We'll read it in just a moment. But in 1 Peter 5, Peter uses this this string of words to describe the work that God does in our hearts. And so I want to read this together with you. We'll pray, and then I want to answer a really important question that comes out of this text. So open your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 6. We will focus on verse 10, but I want to get the context here. So follow along. 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, whether this is a significant time of year for us or whether it is just another day, it is the day that you have made and we rejoice and are glad in that. As the creator of all things, God, we give you thanks for the way that you sustain the world around us. Nothing is accidental. The rising of the sun from our perspective and the setting of it and the growth of things around us, all of these are gifts of your hand and we give you thanks. But more than any naturally occurring thing, we give you thanks for your word, for the instruction and the encouragement, for the challenge and the rebuke that it often is to us. So God, once more, we come before you, gathered together as this local expression of your church, and we ask that you would be here. By your spirit, minister to our hearts, Lord, don't. Don't let us leave here the same as when we came in, but help us to be transformed as a result of hearing your word. And so I pray for grace in the preaching. I pray for grace for my brothers and sisters in the hearing. And above all things now, God, we pray that Jesus Christ, the risen and ascended king, would receive honor and glory and worship. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, my aim this morning is to answer a question that I think comes out of this text, and I'll show you what I'm talking about here. In verse 10, when Peter says that God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us, that is, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, my question, and yours should be too, how does he do that? How does God restore, confirm, strengthen and establish his people is this is this like justification where it's just a we don't do anything but we are justified or is this something that we need to engage in that's the question i want to answer as we go through this and these four descriptive words that peter uses in verse 10 are things that i think every person to some degree desires to be right and and not just christians i mean everybody desires in some way to be identified by these words. I have never met anybody whose life goal, whose purpose was to be weak and hesitant and unstable. (laughs) You've never met that person. Maybe people are that way, but that's not how they want to be. There is a pursuit of stability, of establishment. But depending on who is doing this work, That changes the way we pursue it, right? If this is up to us, we are going to pursue this in human effort. But that's not what Peter says. Peter says in verse 10 that God himself will do this strengthening and establishing work. Meaning that it is a kind of strengthening, it is a kind of establishment that we cannot do on our own. We need God to do this. And so we're back to my original question, right? How does God do this? And I'm going to argue this morning that he uses spiritual disciplines to encourage and strengthen and establish his people. 
I'm going to talk about three things specifically. I'm going to say that if we are to be this kind of people, we need God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. So those are the three hooks we can hang our hats on today. So first, God uses his word. And we're going to jump around to some various texts to show these things. Then we'll come back at the end of 1 Peter 5. So number one, God uses his word. Now when I think of being established, I think of something... Something permanent, something stable. If you're driving around an older city and you say, oh, that looks like an established neighborhood, what do you mean? Well, you mean like it's been there for a while. It's stood the test of time. It is stable, right? So we kind of know what this word means to be established. Well, the scriptures make a connection as well between the word of God, what it is, what it teaches, and the establishment or the stability of God's people. There's a very clear connection between this, and I want to just show you a few texts. For example, in the very first chapter of the Psalms, we read about this man who is the blessed man. And he, what does he do? He delights in the word of God. He meditates on the word of God. Translation, he regularly interacts with it. He takes it in. And what is the result of that meditation? What is the result of that delight? He's like a tree, solid, immovable, stable, productive. A little bit later in Psalm chapter 15, we read about the one who walks according to the law of God, who doesn't just hear it, but takes it in, internalizes it, and lives it out, is the man who will never be moved, the psalmist says. So there's this really clear connection between interaction with the word, the law of God, and the stability the establishment of God's people. And if we dial out and and look at the whole testimony of the scriptures, there is this repeated theme of this connection, both in explicit teaching and in examples. I just want to give you a few examples from different texts throughout the scriptures and listen for words of strengthening and establishment. Okay, listen for that kind of a thing as I read these. When we read the Bible, we see that God is our keeper who will not let us be moved. That's Psalm 130. We see that God has given his word so that we are rooted and grounded. It's Ephesians chapter 3. We see that if God and his word are with us, if he is at our right hand, we cannot be shaken. That's Psalm 16. Are you hearing these words? Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 that the one who hears his words and does them is like a man who what? digs a deep foundation so that his house is stable, unmovable. And all throughout the scriptures we see that God himself is referred to as a rock. I mean, dozens and dozens of times, perhaps most notably, would be Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. You get this picture That the word of God, God himself, and the desire that his people be immovable, established, strengthened. Get that picture when we read the scriptures. And the point in bringing all these passages up is to show you that the word of God is one of the means by which God strengthens and establishes his people. You will not be this kind of person if your Bible sits like this all the time. You just won't be. It is the word of God that gives us the strength that we need to be a Christian. So important. Second thing, 
The second way that God restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes is through his spirit. Now, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, right? The the things that God uses to mature and strengthen us. So why would I mention the spirit? We don't normally talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of spiritual disciplines. At least not in the same way as uh, scripture reading, memorization, fellowship, worship, all those kinds of things, right? So what do I mean that the Spirit now is one of the means by which God does this work? Well, what I'm saying is that when we read the Bible, front to back, the testimony that we see is that the Holy Spirit is God's agent of activity. I don't know, you fill in a better descriptive term. When God decrees a thing, that's an original Greek term, by the way, a thing. When God decrees something... How does it happen? The Spirit is the one who applies the word of God. When God is going to create the world, who is there hovering over the waters? It's the Spirit of God. When God transforms a heart, how does that happen? Well, it's the Spirit that illuminates and regenerates and brings life to dead hearts. So I am saying that if we are to read the Scriptures... If we are to have any success, if you want to use that word, in regularity and spiritual disciplines, that the Spirit is the way that that happens. Let me read you a few texts. When God, so let's let's take these just a few disciplines, Bible reading, okay? When you read the Bible, why should you have any hope that it will be different than when you read something that's not the Bible? Why is this a different book? It's because the Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God. This is Ephesians chapter one, starting verse 16. Paul says, I don't cease to give thanks to you for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, listen to this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. When you read the Bible, When you sit down and you are going through the text, it is as if the Holy Spirit is over your shoulder with a light illuminating what is on the page. Because without his work, Jesus said when the Spirit comes, he's going to bear testimony to me. And that is what happens. So when we pursue the discipline of reading your Bible, I am saying that without the work of the Holy Spirit, it will be as any other book. But God gives his spirit so that the eyes of our heart are enlightened. What does it mean that God calls him the spirit of wisdom and revelation? What does it mean to reveal something? To make it known. To make it plain. Uncover it. So the work of the spirit helps us in understanding the word of God. What about prayer? How does the Holy Spirit work through prayer? Romans chapter 8, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we ought. Right? This is what Paul says. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, you are pursuing faithfulness in spiritual disciplines and you are bringing, as the Bible tells us to, petitions and requests and prayers to God. What is your hope that they get beyond the ceiling? It's that the Spirit of God carries them, as it were, to the throne of God. So in prayer, it is not just you working. It is the Spirit of God. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes. 
So he is the means by which our prayers are heard and effective. What about fellowship? Why is it that we can gather together, serve together, work together, and not just bite and devour one another? It's because the Spirit of God is a spirit of unity and a spirit of peace. Later on, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit does not come in and stir things up so that we're all ticked off at each other. He comes in and binds our hearts together in Christ so that when we pursue things in spiritual disciplines like fellowship, corporate worship, serving one another, those things are made possible by the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of unity. At the end of 2 Corinthians 13, there's this beautiful benediction, I think we used it last week actually, where Paul says, may the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It is the Spirit of God that gives us the unity to lock on to a common goal, the glorification of Jesus Christ, the service of the church, the spread of the gospel, and do it because he is a spirit of unity. So you see where I'm going with this? You see how all these things connect? Whether it's scripture reading, prayer, fellowship, whatever it is, I'm seeing from the scriptures that it is the spirit of God that makes these things possible. So that's why I included in this, this thing. If we are to be strengthened and established, okay, number one, and if that happens through spiritual disciplines, number two, then we need ability that is not our own to be faithful in these areas. I do, and you do. So the Spirit of God is how he does these things. I think this is why Peter says in verse 10 that God himself, right? Look at verse 10 again in First Peter. He says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, strengthen, and establish you. And I'm saying God does that through his spirit. Yes, we have to apply ourselves to this, right? This is not as if you can sit with your Bible closed and say, okay, God is going to strengthen and encourage and establish and restore me do it. That's not how it works. God, through his spirit, empowers you, motivates you, animates you, so that you can open the word of God, read what is there, the spirit applies it to your mind, and you get it to some degree. It is so important. I think this is what Paul was getting at in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Work out your salvation. I think it's Philippians 2.12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And in that little phrase is combined all the spiritual disciplines, right? Reading the scriptures, fellowshipping with one another, faithful in stewardship, memorizing the word of God, committing to corporate worship, all of those things. And we say, okay, work it out. And then verse 13, because it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is the pleasure of God through his spirit to motivate you to faithfulness in these areas. So we need the word of God. We need the spirit of God. 
And lastly, I'm saying, if we're going to be a strengthened and established people, we need the people of God. I think sometimes when we think about the works of God, when we think about how does God do things, how does he work, we think only or maybe primarily in terms of spiritual things, supernatural work. And, and that's good, right? When we think about God, you should think about spiritual things and supernatural work. However, God often uses means to accomplish his purpose. Ordinary means, and those ordinary means include his people. And yes, I just called all of you ordinary. Because that's what we are. Right? So God uses his people. I think the Apostle Paul is just such a great example of this. In almost all of his letters, he includes these laundry lists of, of partners and people that have served with him and worked with him and encouraged him and provided for his needs. And he thanks them and he thanks God for them and he commends them for their service. Let me read you just a couple examples. Philippians 2 Paul is talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, two guys that had really been impactful in his ministry and served him faithfully and served with him faithfully. And Paul says this, Philippians 2, 25, listen to this. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, Near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him to you, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. God used Epaphroditus to strengthen and encourage the Apostle Paul so that he could continue in his ministry. Could God have done that another way? Could he have come in a vision or sent an angel? God, he did that before. He read the book of Acts. Sure, he could have done that, but he didn't. And I don't think he did it that way because he left us an example. That as the people of God, when we engage in acts of service, when we show kindness to one another, it is not only about the act of service or the kindness shown. It is about the strengthening and establishment of the church. This is how God works. Another great example is the end of the book of Romans. Romans 16, Paul takes the first 16 verses and he just praises God for all these partners in his ministry. Dozens of them. And he uses words like beloved, partners in the ministry of the gospel, chosen in the Lord, fellow workers in Christ. All of these affectionate, descriptive words as he lists out the men and women who have sacrificed, opened their homes, provided for his needs, given to the ministry, served in the ministry, worked with Paul, all so that he is strengthened and established. You see what's happening here? God uses his people to do his work. And more than just examples, in the Bible we have so much explicit teaching about how we are to engage with one another. Did you know that the phrase one another appears over 300 times in the New Testament? 
And of course, not all of those are in this context, but a lot of them are. And one another is a community term. You cannot have one another's with one person. (laughs) That's the most profound thing you'll hear me say all morning. That is a community term. It requires interaction with other people. So why do you think that the New Testament is so relentless in exampling and instructing how we are to live and serve one another? It is because of 1 Peter 5.10 that God uses his people to restore and confirm and strengthen and establish us. So what does this look like? What does the Bible tell us? I'm just going to read you a couple of these things. There are so many. I could have had pages of this. When we read the Bible, it tells us to love one another with brotherly affection. It's Romans 12. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Wait for one another. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Serve one another. Bear with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Do good to one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another to love in good works. It's Hebrews 10. Confess your sins to one another. That's a hard one. Show hospitality to one another. Have humility towards one another. And on and on and on we could go. There is such an emphasis on the people of God. You will not live a fulfilled, robust Christian life on your own. You just won't. You can try. And it might go okay for a while. But if you are not connected to the people of God, if you are not both giving and receiving the one another's, you're going to shrivel spiritually. The Bible is so clear that these things are not only our responsibility, but it ought to be our joy as we serve one another. Now, I just make a little comment here. I know, and you probably know by now, that engaging in this kind of ministry is not always easy, and it is not always convenient. We plan our lives, we have our schedules, and something comes right in the middle of it. An opportunity. And I'm just going to say, it is worth it. It is worth it to not do what you wanted to do for the sake of your brothers and sisters. And as you develop in this discipline of serving one another, it will become the thing that you want to do. It does not... You get what I'm saying. We've all been on the receiving end, right? You know how encouraging this is. Someone brings a meal over. Someone writes a thank you card. Someone shovels your driveway or helps you when you're in need. These are the things that are designed to encourage us as the body of Christ. And it can't just come from the, from the pastors, from the top down. It has to be in the church. There's no instruction in the Bible that, well, only people in leadership ought to practice these things. F- wrong. It is for every Christian to take on the joyful responsibility of giving what God has given to you in service to one another. So, I'll be done. Are you seeing how these things fit together? We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God who, who applies what we see in the word of God and, and motivates us in obedience. And as we live out the one another commands of the Bible, we engage in the restoring 
confirming, strengthening, and establishing work that God himself does. See how that works? So let's go back to 1 Peter. Okay, I want to read that again and then apply this. Now that we've seen, okay, here's, here's I'm, I'm saying this is how God does this. Word, spirit, people. So let's read this again and I'm going to apply it to us. 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, and now we know what's all wrapped up in that word himself, right? Will himself <clears throat> restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Do you want to be this kind of people? Do you want to be strengthened and established? Do you want to be able to stand firm when life hits you with everything that it will hit you with? Then you need the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. This is the means by which God does this important work. And I challenge you, as your pastor, coming into the year, Make priority out of intentionally engaging in these areas. Nobody is going to accidentally become established. You're not going to haphazardly fall into, oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm strong now. This is how, that's not how it goes. You've got to get in the word of God. You have to get with the people of God. So, two things to close. And at this point, we could switch places, right? You know what I'm going to say. At least I hope you do. So two things we need to do is to engage with the word and engage with God's people. You could, you could do that, right? You knew that was coming. There are so many opportunities, even right here at Grace Bible Church, to engage with the word of God. What I do on Sunday mornings, exposing the word, preaching the word to you, is, is really important. We believe in the preaching of the word at this church, but it is not enough for you. You cannot come for 40 minutes on a Sunday, plug in, recharge, go out, and expect to be okay. This doesn't work like that. And if you are not tethered to the word of God and the people of God and the power of the spirit of God, you will die spiritually. That's not too strong of a word. So whatever that looks like, get a reading plan. Next week, we'll have all the information for the community groups and the Bible studies that are going on. Plug in somewhere. Get encouraged. It is so good to study the Word of God with other believers. You get correction. You get encouragement. You get all this kind of stuff. And as we saw, that's the means by which God strengthens and establishes His people. Right? So again, engage with the Word. Engage with God's people. If you have a need, be it spiritual, be it practical, Make it known to, to, to someone. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's a sign of maturity. <laughs> the older that you get and the more experience you have, the more you'll come to understand, I can't do this. I can't do this alone. Ask for help. That's what the body's for. That's why all the one another's are in the Bible. And if God has given you time, resources, abilities, skills, use them. God gave them to you. They're not yours. You don't own those abilities. God does. So engage. Intentionally look for opportunities to serve one another, to engage. And I promise you, for all the good that'll do, but I promise you, 
that you will be blessed when you engage with the word and with God's people. It is the, it is the structure that he has given to the church so that we are, <clears throat> you've heard it a lot of times, I almost wanted to have us all say it together, but I won't, I won't embarrass anyone, restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. Word, spirit, people. Let's pray. Father, your word is so clear. It is so clear. If we desire to be the kind of people who are effective, who are strong, who are immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, then we must engage with you. We must open the Bible. We must get into each other's lives. And so, God, this is not our natural tendency. We tend to stick to ourselves and to be concerned with our own needs. And I just pray that you would free us from any selfishness, any hesitancy that would keep us from fully engaging with our brothers and sisters now. I could talk for hours about how your people have encouraged me. And I'm sure many of these brothers and sisters could as well. So God, please continue this work. Don't let us clam up to ourselves and, and be so concerned about our own comforts and, and safeties and, and pleasures and whatever else, but would we freely give because we have freely received? So God, not only now as we, we enter a new year, but all throughout our lives, give us the strength to engage with your word, to be used in the power of your Holy Spirit to minister to one another so that we are strengthened and established. We need this work, the work that you do. And so we ask that you do it in Jesus' name.